morning. Welcome to the Dudes of Davy podcast. I am Stephen Miller here with my co-host Lonnie Greenberg, and we are now officially known as the DOD. That is going to be our nickname going forward, and we look forward to sharing more updates with you as we uh, continue this process. We are excited about today's topic, Lonnie. I know that this is definitely something near and dear to your heart because it revolves around a lot of numbers. Yep. So uh, why don't you set the table for us? So we, we've had this debate many times. It, you know what's funny? is like the debate typically is like, who's the greatest NBA players of all time? And they compare players in different eras. And it's really hard to do, right? So we're going to make this a lot simpler. What we're going to do is we're going to talk about the – top NBA players of the last 25 years, the, the silver anniversary since the Jordan era ended. And we're going to debate who, I, I don't know if there's really a debate of the top five, but you know, kind of how they compare to each other. Mm-hmm. Maybe we'll get into a little honorable mention afterwards of some of the players that maybe we missed from this, but um, we're going to start off, Stefan, do, do you want to name who we've put as the top five players, and then we can kind of see where they shuffle in amongst each other. Yeah, and I think that's you know that's a good segue. I mean, look, I mean, I think obviously there's some incredible players over the last 25 years. I do think it's fairly clear who the top five are. But to your point, it's going to be the order, and if there really is an order after after one, right? So that the five players that we've identified that belong in the top five are Tim Duncan. Shaquille O'Neal, LeBron James, Kobe Bryant, and Steph Curry. And I think it goes without saying, all of these five players are Hall of Famers. They are legends in their own right. Uh, But they definitely had different impacts on the game, and they all come with uh, a different story behind them. Correct. So, again... Top tw- top five players of the last 25 years since the Jordan era. So I think it's I think it's a little easier to compare them too. Um, there's overlap. A lot of them played either together or against each other. Um, so let's let's start let's start in an easy spot. I think the easy spot is who's the best player of the last 25 years. I, you know, Stefan. I I know uh, you'll you'll have a couple opinions about LeBron, but I I think. You agree with me that LeBron is the top player of the last 25 years, and it probably isn't close. Listen, full disclosure for those who are listening, there may have been a debate last night for about 40 minutes over text between Lonnie and myself about Jordan versus LeBron, and we will do that another time if people are interested. Uh, We definitely have some unique takes on it, but I think it is incredibly clear that over the last 25 years, LeBron James is the ambassador for the NBA. He is the league's best player. He's the league's most uh, important player. And, you know, I think, that, you know, we could, you know, you could speak to some of the numbers that he's achieved, but uh, it's been a remarkable career. And I think one that's been blessed by incredible health. And I know that comes up, you know, here and there in debates, but, you know, his longevity is really what has catapulted him to that upper echelon of, you know, top two, top four, top five of all time. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it, we can go through the numbers and the accomplishments, and they're, you know, beyond insane. You know, the, the one thing that's, I mean, LeBron's longevity and just the level he's playing at even the last few years is, is absolutely incredible. Um, you know, he he's a 
first team all NBA selection 13 times, three times second team, two time third team. So for 18 seasons, he's been an all NBA team. That, that is just, no one's even close to that, by the way. Um, so I, I think we can, I think we can end LeBron for the moment. Correct. And kind of get into the others right now. Correct. So I, I know you love this player, and we may drop some bombshells here uh, on Tim Duncan, okay? He doesn't get much attention because he didn't want much attention, but he is, he, he is the epitome of skill, uh, teammate, leadership, leadership, and just a good guy. Um, so I'll, I'll let you talk about Tim Duncan. What, what's your takes on him? Yeah, no, I mean, I think that he really gets no attention, and that's exactly the way he wanted it. So it's amazing that he was able to achieve his goal both during his career and afterwards. Um, I, I mean, in my opinion, okay, Tim Duncan is the second best player of the last 25 years. And I know we're going to hear from people about Kobe and Shaq, uh, those two will definitely be brought up. And we'll, t- you know, Lonnie will talk some about them. And it's, look, it's real close here, right? But I think if you're looking to build a team around a player, of course, what he does on the court, but of course, what he does off the court. How does he represent your franchise? How does he play? Does he play nice with others in the sandbox? Does he make other players better? And, you know, you could, we could get into the whole supporting cast, right? Shaquille O'Neal and Kobe Bryant, supporting cast. Uh, LeBron and his, you know, varying supporting cast. I mean, LeBron's made it work, you know, in multiple places. But I think the way that Tim, you know, excelled, especially defensively. I mean, you know, you want to put up, you know, 20, 23 and 10. It's one thing. But to be, you know, all defensive team, the majority of your career, um, it's just you're just, you know, two way players got talked a lot about when Kawhi Leonard came on the scene and everyone was like, Kawhi, Kawhi, Kawhi. And then nobody's heard from Kawhi because he's been hurt for the last two to three years. And, you know, Shaquille O'Neal and Kobe Bryant and LeBron James and Tim Duncan and Steph Curry, they've, you know, although they've been hurt, they've had remarkable stretches of good health. So, I mean, you tell me, I mean, I'm curious to get your thoughts on, you know, Tim, really Tim versus Shaquille and Tim versus Kobe. So, yeah, I, look, I think the, uh, the we're going to get a call soon, and we're going to be take we're going to be put on the no fly list into LAX. Uh, I don't think we're ever allowed back into Southern California <laughs> after this after this take and what what we're about to uh, bring forward. But yeah, you know, I really studied. I'm a I'm a numbers nerd. Uh, I did my little Rain Man action, and I looked at some of the numbers between Tim Duncan and Kobe Bryant, and you know, while Kobe was a better scorer, he was a less efficient scorer. You know, that, that is going to be one thing that we're going to discuss a lot is just, um, you know, Kobe's field goal percentage. You know, was he a great teammate? I think he became better as his career went on. Couldn't be worse. Right. Well, yeah. Especially those two seasons when, um, you know, he won it without Shaq. I think he got a little bit better. Um, but, you know, you talk about two-way players. They're both great two-way players. You know, they're both multiple defensive, you know, all defensive teams. Tim Duncan actually made the all defensive team 15 seasons, uh, eight of which were first team, seven were second team. 
Um, he has two MVPs. Kobe's got one. He's got five NBA titles. Kobe's got five NBA titles. I just think, you know, it, it's it. This is our hot take, and I mm-hmm. and it's hard to conceive because Kobe gets so much media attention. Um, you know, rest in peace. He's passed. Um, there's a little bit of, of that involved here too, uh, and and just the the pizzazz of what Kobe did. The 81-point game, you know, all of that, mm-hmm. I think, plays into people's mind. The global icon, because he wanted the attention, if you just look at actual players and what they did for their team, I think it's hard to debate that Kobe was better than Tim Duncan. Yeah, I mean, look, you, you touched on a couple things that are, are critical here, right? Which is, you know, Kobe had the sizzle. He had the stake, too, but he really had the sizzle. And Tim Duncan had no interest in the sizzle. You know, he, he, he was perfectly fine being, you know, viewed as a supporting character because the whole the, the whole mindset and culture of the Spurs was winning. Whereas I think in LA, you know, you had Magic Johnson and Showtime, you know, you had Shaq coming into the and then you had Kobe being like, you know, that's what Kobe was aspiring to be. Um, I do believe that the beginning of Kobe's career, the first several years, you know, his shooting percentage was well below forty five percent. I think he's probably viewed more as a ball hog in the early part of his career. I don't think people thought of him as a real facilitator. Uh, and look, like every other you know great player, he did evolve and he got better. And I think you know really once that trade happened with Pal Gasol, that's when things you could tell like went to another level for him. Um, I also think it's really unfortunate, obviously, when he passed away because he seemed like he was primed to do so much more for the game both personally and professionally, both financially and, and spiritually. Like he was really going to be the guy that young players could look to, to, to honestly, to maybe not make the same mistakes that he might have made. And you made a great point, which is Kobe's background allowed him to become a global phenomenon. You know, him being born overseas and him coming over here at such a young age and him, you know, learning and knowing multiple languages. It was all there for the, the sponsors and the TV rights and everything to be like, this is the guy we need to put forth. Right. Hey, look, I don't say this lightly, coming from the Philadelphia area. I watched Kobe Bryant play in high school. He's a, he's right. a few years older than me. And anyone that I grew up with knows that I was obsessed with Kobe Bryant when he was in high school, okay? So for me to actually say that I think Tim Duncan not only had a better career, but I think was actually a better player. Just look, they're different positions, uh, and I'd put him a little bit higher. Is is actually a very tough thing for me to do. Um, you know, skill wise, talent wise, just Kobe's off the charts. Like you mentioned, he's a he's a very intelligent person. They both are uh, mm-hmm. a very intelligent person, and he he was going to do a lot more. But you know, but on the basketball court, as a teammate, as a player. I think Tim Duncan gets the nod. What, one thing I didn't recognize, and I remember this, was Kobe's 05-06 season was one of the most ridiculous things I've ever seen. He scored 35 points, over 35 points a game. He shot over 45% from the field. Um, I think that that was his best like individual season. And that season, you know, he, he, he was absolutely Michael Jordan that season. So, yeah. Yeah, and, and I think one, uh, the one last point here uh, is 
and I don't want to bring this up now, but I do think it's a topic that we'll, we'll discuss at another point, which is, you know, Kobe came into the NBA when he was, I think, 17 or 18. Youngest player ever drafted. Did not go to college. Did not have a chance to grow before entering the main stage. Right. And, you know, if you will, the Lions can, okay? Right. Where, you know, Tim Duncan, uh, Wake Forest, uh, it's just, all I'm saying is that I'm not saying whether it's right or wrong to come out early, okay? I'm not saying whether it's right or wrong to skip, but there is no doubt that spending one, two, or the full four years in college coming to the NBA and having a little bit more of a grounded foundation does probably put you on a different track towards how you're going to be as a teammate and a player simply because you've had the training and the, you know the tutelage you know in college. Right, and look, that's a great point. 97, 98, Tim Duncan played every game that season. Shot 55% from the field, 21 and 12 that season, and they won the NBA title with David Robinson. Kobe's first season, seven point six, seven and a half points a game, 41% from the field. Uh, he played almost all the games, but even the next season, you know, 15 points. You know, year three he started to become what I consider to be a real All Star. Um, and then he became a superstar in the early 2000s. So the, so, the, so the numbers back up that thesis. Numbers 100% back that up. Timmy got off to a quick start. And Tim's, you know, as I look at this, his consistency for about 13, 14 seasons is incredible. Obviously, he tailed off a little bit at the end. You know, he was in his late 30s. And that, that just happens playing in the NBA for almost 20 seasons. Mm -hmm. uh, but the consistency and all of the others, I put him a little bit higher. The, the next two are tricky. I, I think I think LeBron and Duncan are on their own. They, their cases have been made. Now the question is Kobe versus Shaq, Kobe versus Curry. I mean, you you and I are definitely not going to be the first guys to start to go into the Shaq-Kobe relationship. Right. I think we we know as much as almost anybody else knows. We know what we we know what we bred. Uh, they had a a love hate relationship. Uh, and I think it's important to note that, you know, Shaquille came into the NBA in 1992 and Kobe came in in 96. So big brother, little brother, if you will. And I know it's interesting. Shaquille's first year on the Lakers was also Kobe's first year on the Lakers. So they legitimately were coming to this storied franchise in the exact same year, except obviously, you know, Shaquille having four years under his belt, averaging 26, 27 points a game, you know, a little over 12 rebounds. So look, it's hard because they play very different positions, but is there, is there, is there Shaq without Kobe? Is there Kobe without Shaq starting in 96? The beginning, so Kobe, Kobe, Shaq should get a lot of credit the three-peat in L.A. I don't think they have the three-peat without Kobe. Don't get me wrong. Uh, do they have one or two? Possibly. Kobe cemented his legacy in a special way by getting those two on his own. Mm -hmm. But Shaq was... It, uh, he was the driving force in those first three. And, and the, uh, the most dominant big man ever. I mean, you put Shaq back in the... In, this is another take that, mm. that people are going to kill us on. But you put him back, like with Will Russell, 
and he would he would crush those guys. I mean, he's just he's just a he changed the game too. He's a different kind of player than we've kind of ever seen mm-hmm. from a domination standpoint. The knock on Shaq, which is what Kobe would get upset with him about, is that he didn't work as hard as Kobe did. Uh, and if he did, nowhere close, or even close, I think Shaq would be number one on this list. Right. 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 Uh, he's also a big man, and his footwork and just. Yeah, he, he did overpower people, but he did have some sneaky good moves. The negative on Shaq, which we know is uh, he was a little bit of a liability at the end of games with that Shaq, with the hack of Shaq and mm-hmm. the uh, and the free throw issues. But uh, you know, and Shaq is just such a good guy; it's so hard to uh, say anything bad about him. I mean, it's 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 amazing. You and I just talked about this before the we got on here to win three straight finals MVPs is, I mean, and we didn't, you know, we don't have this number at our fingertips right now, but, you know, I'm not sure how many times it's ever been done. No. Three straight. Unless uh, Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan, Jordan. correct. You know, that, if you're talking about with Jordan, you're you're pretty unreal. So we, so I think that the relationship between Shaquille and Kobe is probably so intricate and complicated because while Shaquille appreciated Kobe having him as a, as a, as Robin to his Batman. Uh, I do think it was a Batman Robin relationship for the first three, four, five years. Right. Right. And, and for that reason, I would give Kobe a slight edge over the big Aristotle and <laughs> Shaq gets some extra points for just being such a great guy and just so freaking hysterical. Um, it's, it's too bad, by the way. It's a shame. Uh, and everybody was deprived of this, of course, especially his family. It would have been so great to have seen the relationship between Shaquille and Kobe now. Because Shaquille has demonstrated to be such an, uh, it appears to be, such an awesome citizen. Yeah. And Kobe looked like he was absolutely headed in that same direction. Right. So the two of them right. potentially could have just done incredible things. Yeah, no question. And... and- and, and look, Kobe has five titles and Shaq has four, and I don't know if that's always like the the way to compare players. Uh, Shaq's fourth is really because Dwayne Wade was Michael Jordan in the NBA Finals that season. So, mm. uh, and that's and, right. And Kobe, I think I think all five of his were very well deserved. Uh, Shaq carried him a little bit in some of those, so I, I give him a little bit of an edge. Mm-hmm. Now. You know, now we throw Steph Curry in the mix. And Steph doesn't have as long of a career as these guys. Um, the, as he said, I heard him say a few months ago, I have nothing more to prove. I just have more to accomplish. Uh, he is a two-time MVP uh, on par with a lot of these guys. One is unanimous, which is incredible. Uh, four-time NBA champion. He does have one finals MVP now, which... He, he absolutely cemented himself last season. It was that that performance was something special, especially that game four. And yeah, what Steph doesn't have, we talked about this earlier. What Steph doesn't have compared to all these guys, these four other guys, is the defense. Uh, no, the, the two-way game. The two-way game. I, I think his defense has improved. Um, he's gotten bigger and stronger, as we've all seen. That is one piece. That makes it hard for us to put him above any of these guys. But on the offensive end, you know, we, we can get into what rarefied air he actually is in. Yeah, I mean, look, we 
you and I are both, you know, curry curry lovers, and I think we're and curry appreciators more than anything. But it, for me, uh, defense matters. And when you're getting into the you know the Mount Rushmore players, whether it's all time or the last 25 years, you know, I'm, I, I need to take the two-way player um, to build my team around. Uh, but that being said, Curry's offensive genius and talent not only changed the game, right? Not only changed, the, you know, how the game is played and how the game is guarded. You know, when you're able to shoot consistently from 30 to 35 feet away, you actually are changing every other team's defense, you know, preparation. So, and, well, you know, we could talk about, you know, the litany of players that have now come behind Curry who are extraordinary in their own right and attempting to get to the next level that Curry's achieved. So I think it's really interesting. You have all these players right now, whether it be the Lucas and the Trays and the Damian Lillards, who are emulating their game to a degree after them. And Curry's so far ahead of them and has achieved so much success that it's going to be really hard for any of those players to break into you know the, the, the top tier. But Curry has done it, though. Curry has established himself as the single greatest shooter of all time. Yeah, and and it's really not even close no. anymore. It's 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 like I think they'll all admit it. I think you know Reggie, Ray Allen, Ray, Ray, yep. I think they'll all admit it's not even close at this point. Maybe even Larry and, might might admit it. And I'll throw one little thing in here. This is just a small little anecdote. And we all saw it during the All Star game, but I think people forget Steph Curry had 16 three pointers in the All Star game, and and his point in doing that, and he took them from everywhere. I mean, they were ridiculous. Was to, sh- you know, he was kind of not toe to toe, but going a little bit with Trey Young and mm-hmm. Dame Lillard, some of the the newer, younger guns, and it, and it was just, you know, those guys were smiling because they knew it's not even, it's not even close. One Rain Man stat, which I'll throw at you, would, you know, everyone knows Steph is the all-time three-point leader, made made three-pointers and shots taken. And his three-point percentage is 43%. That includes just, if I had to guess, at least a quarter of his threes have been taken from over 30 feet. You're talking about every single kind of three you can possibly, on-the-run threes, pull-up threes, more than anyone in NBA history. His three-point percentage on a non-insignificant amount of threes is almost the same field goal percentage as Kobe Bryant. Okay, his field goal percentage is 47 uh, percent. He's a he's a 47, 43, 91 guy for his career yep. as a marked man. Yep. Uh, and but, but by the way, you you know you just touched on something that we haven't even spoken about, yeah. which is Curry. They throw anything they physically can at him. He's almost prepared for and guarded by the same way they try to prevent Jordan from taking over a game. They will throw double teams, triple teams, traps. They have to pick him up. They have to pick him up at half court or on the defensive side or the offensive side of the ball just to prevent his momentum from coming towards the hoop. Yeah. And and then in the NBA Finals, you started to see how, um, you know, even if he gets even a half a second, it's it's over, right? Like he scores. That's it. 
Uh, you can't mark. Hey, it's funny because we play pickup basketball now, which we shouldn't do because we're in our 40s and uh, it's still sore from Monday. It's and fine. the over/under on us getting hurt is, is the numbers going down. Um, but you know, sometimes we have to guard some of these younger guys who are running around like crazy, and it's like it is so exhausting. Now imagine guarding a guy like this who's running around like that, and and it, and it's just and it's just unbelievable that. You know what he's able to do his his conditioning and everything involved in that. Well, and again, you touched on another really good point, which is his conditioning. You know, there's been no player in the history of the NBA that moves around on a consistent basis more than he does on offense and looks less tired. So I, I think that you know we could sort of wrap this up to a degree in that I think we both agree that there's a strong argument coming soon down the down the pipe for Curry versus Kobe. I'm going to put it out there. And I think it's a, it's going to really pain me and others who really believe in Kobe's defense. Uh, but Curry's offense and his impact on the game, I think it's going to be a, I think it's going to be a real challenge, a real challenge and a real exciting debate, you know, to put them up against one another. And we're going to do this in a neutral setting, halfway between LA and San Francisco. <laughs> uh, just so nobody hurts us. Maybe, maybe closer to San Francisco. I think that sounds good. I mean, I hope you guys enjoy this one. Look, all five of these players are, are on the are on the pyramid. Uh, what order you have them in is any you know it's, it's your opinion. But we can only say that we believe that these are the five that have cemented their legacies over the last 25 years. And uh, listen for Stephen Miller and Lonnie Greenberg and the Dod Podcast. We'll see you next time. See you later. Mm-hmm.